Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another great episode and conversation to help you up your game in talent development. And that is our mission, and that is what we are all about. And today, we are talking not just about talent development, but career development and how you can do things like creating a talent marketplace, a mentorship program, how you can do things to help your people find the work they love within the organization where they already are. And today, I'm speaking with Humera Shahed, who is the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer and Vice President of Talent Development at Intuit, where she is focused on leading the organization's talent and people practice into the future. Humera has over 20 years of experience in the talent field, focusing on growing companies fueled by highly engaged talent. And her background covers a broad range of talent-focused disciplines. Her passion lies with creating a talent system that allows individuals to do the best work of their lives by learning new skills, taking on challenging assignments, and growing their career in a thriving organization. Humera joined Intuit in 2019 as a small business owner, and she connected personally to the mission of the company to power prosperity around the world. She leads the talent development function where she has an amazing team that leverages data and technology to deepen our understanding of the workforce and discover what our people need to be effective today and into the future. And in this conversation, we cover a lot of ground, including Humera's background, moving from consulting to her work at Electronic Arts before she got to Intuit, some of the lessons she drew from her consulting days and her philosophy on talent development and the work that she's been doing at Intuit to kind of overhaul the system there and really implement things in a consultative manner. We talk about the importance of knowing where the business is going, asking questions and revamping systems into its approach to career development, moving to more of an AI-driven platform. And we talk about what Intuit is doing in the career development space, things like job shadowing and mentorship programs, creating more of a talent marketplace, thinking more about the gig economy. We talk about the remote and hybrid workforce 
the idea of skills as the new currency. We talk about battling burnout and focusing on well-being for our people. And we talk about the intersection of talent development with diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is really a fantastic interview and conversation. I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we get to it, I want to remind you that our podcast is sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank Membership Community, which is the number one place for learning development professionals to go to connect with each other, share, learn, grow. We have live calls every week, and Humera is going to be one of our guest speakers soon. So if you don't have a community that you belong to in L&D, come check us out. Our website is tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. And our podcast is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm focused on providing great learning solutions to organizations everywhere. And you can find out more information at advantageperformance.com. All right, without any further ado, here is my interview with Humera Shahed, all about developing our people and creating great career development programs in the modern world. Enjoy. All right, I'm joined now by Humera Shahed, who is the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, as well as the Vice President of Talent Development at Intuit. Humera, welcome to the show. Thank you. That's a mouthful, I know. You've got a lot going on, and it's exciting. You and I got a chance to do some work together a, a little while back, and since we last talked, you've picked up a new title, and yeah. uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to get into that, not just your title, but really the intersection between DEI and talent development um, because they are so closely related. And I want to talk with you about some other things that you're doing in career development, um, kind of what's going on with the, the hybrid and remote workforce, as well as this idea of skills as the new currency. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into some of that stuff, I'd love to just start with a little bit of your background and you know how you got into talent development and what you're doing today. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, so how do I make this long life story short? Uh, so I got introduced to leadership development and team development actually as a youth, like in high school, I was part of this leadership organization. And, you know, we used to go around and it was an organization that believed in youth teaching other youth. And it was about civic responsibility. So we would teach team development and goal setting and like strategic planning to all of these young people and basically to teach them how to make a difference in their schools and um, in their communities. And as it turns out, I went off to college and, and then I left, graduated and realized I could make a career out of that stuff that I was doing for fun. And I had no idea that there was a whole field dedicated to this work and that I could make a living doing something I loved. And so that sounded pretty incredible. And the best way to learn all that was to join a consulting firm. So I joined a small boutique consulting firm, um, which was Hay Group and now uh, Corn Ferry, and learned all the basics. I did um, HR consulting and compensation and manager development and org effectiveness uh, in survey research and insights and spent seven years doing that. And then realized that, you know, this is amazing, um, but I wanna go in house and see how do you take these perfect solutions and really like apply them and live with them over time. Uh, and then what happens when you have to like refresh them and change them as the business changes. So uh, so that led me into an in-house role um, in uh, at Electronic Arts, a gaming company. And I ended up taking what I thought was gonna be three years and making it 15, because uh, it's an incredible industry that's always changing. And I grew as the company grew and it was an amazing, phenomenal opportunity. Uh, but I really solidified this is what I love. And so, um, so when the time came to, I think finally, you know, say, you know what, I got to try this somewhere else and see what I can do. I took on a similar remit, um, really with talent development at Intuit. And I've been there for about two and a half years now. Uh, nice. so my journey has largely been over the last 25 years. It's like really doing talent, talent work and talent development and talent systems work. 
Yeah, really. so so fascinating. And you spent a long time at uh, Electronic Arts, obviously one of the biggest names, if not the biggest name in gaming. Are you a gamer at all? Did you, do you have an interest in video games? Or is it more just like, hey, this is a cool company and I'm going to take yeah. it? It's such a, you know, at the time when I joined, I wanted to be part of a company that was really culturally relevant and gaming is definitely that. And so, yes, in my time there, you become, you, you kind of want to learn how to play games. I'm not shy to admit it. I learned how to play Madden, which is actually a hard game to play nice. um, and definitely got into more mobile games because as I had kids, you wanted those short gaming sessions. You didn't have yeah. time to really play hours. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, like I went on, all, on that entire journey of, of playing mobile games and enjoying, enjoying that. So yeah, it kind of is in the blood there, right? Like you got to do it to mm -hmm. really feel, feel the product. And that was important to me when I chose another company, I really like B2C businesses for that reason. Like you can touch and feel the product and you're you're so close to the customer. Yeah. It's really cool. That's interesting. I used to play a lot of uh, Madden back in, I don't know, high school, college days. It's been a long time. Uh, of course, yeah. that's, the, that's the NFL football game that EA has. And then you move from gaming to into it. So not quite as, as fun as gaming. Do you now do all your own taxes with TurboTax? Is that a requirement? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, cl it's close to, they make it really easy. You know, um, I, my husband and I are small business owners. And so Intuit's mission really spoke to me right around kind of powering prosperity around the world and the idea that because we own small businesses, like this is really about that, right? And the QuickBooks product supports that and really helping people manage their money and being financially yeah. successful. It's like such a problem for everyday people. It's like, we took kind of a luxury good in, in gaming and then kind of came, I came to, into an environment where it's literally about living. Uh, and so yeah. that's been really inspiring for me because I have a personal mm -hmm. connection, I think, to the organization. I like that. It's cool. Well, I guess I'm a small business owner. I've been using Mint since the very beginning, which got acquired yes. by Intuit. I use QuickBooks to run my business. I've used TurboTax many times for taxes. Yeah. So long time Intuit customer. So we're grateful, Andy. We're grateful yes. for your support. Right. I want to go back to, you did some work in consulting. You decided you yeah. wanted to go in-house. Obviously, there's a, there's a big difference there. And uh, not everybody gets an opportunity to, to work on both sides. What's maybe a big lesson you took away from your consulting days that still serves you really well in as you work in-house? You know, the, the biggest one I think is as a consultant, you become, there's two things that you have to do. One is you're sort of paid to be an expert or, you know, whenever experts were always learning, but really a leader in the market. So you have to understand like, what are the trends that are happening? What's the context you're operating in? And that mindset, I think is incredibly valuable when you come in-house because you're always looking at the outside and introducing outside in thinking. I would say the second thing is your ability as a consultant to diagnose. I found like when you come in-house, you still have to diagnose really quickly and learn what levers to pull, what conversations to have, how to assess, you know, strengths and gaps and opportunities and how to build a plan. Um, I think those have served me incredibly well because they're like second nature tools in consulting uh, that when you come in-house, depending on, you know, how you grew up, you may not have had that foundation. And I find myself still using consulting skills like every day, mm. you know, when you're faced with a problem, you're using that same diagnosis. You're yeah. looking at the same situation, you know, asking all the, all the inquiry questions, getting a well-rounded view of what the situation is. And then of course, determining kind of what the path forward is. So, so yeah, I, that foundation, I wouldn't replace for anything. It was so critical at that point in my career. And I'm so glad I was lucky enough to do it first. Yeah. I think it's so important. You know, I've worked in consulting for 10 years, all about taking that consultative right. approach. Yeah. And I know some of the best talent development professionals I know talk about taking a consultative approach and some of the mistakes that a lot of people have made is just being an order taker. Right. And then yes. moving to that consultative approach of like, well, let's step back and ask questions and figure out what's really going on here. Do we need training? Do we need something completely different to solve this problem? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that's my favorite thing in talent development, right? We always want training to be the answer. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, well, it might be, 
it might be part of the answer. It's usually never the whole answer. Yeah. And so, and that's the most fun, right? It's like, well, what's the root cause? Like what's really happening here? What are the, that's why I talked about earlier. Like I love systemic talent management. It's cause it's all a system that's integrated. And yeah. what are the different pieces of the system that we need to influence, right? From the org to the performance piece, to the skill building, to all of those things work in concert with each other. Yeah. So now that you've been into it for a couple of years and had a chance to really dig in and, and start to make your mark, what's been your general philosophy or what would you say is your general philosophy on talent development and making sure that you're making an impact for your, yeah. your group? Yeah, that's such a great question. It's a, it's a, you know, I want, I sometimes wonder, I think it's more about the context that you're in is so important because mm. the practice of talent development, there are some core cornerstones you know, of it. Um, you're going to do assessment. You're going to think it through performance. You're going to think about development. You're going to think about engagement, but the context that you're in, um, I think is critical. And so, you know, where is the business going? And so I was joining into it at a time where we'd had a CEO change. Uh, we were looking at going, you know, from um, being online to being a real, a true AI driven platform. Uh, the company was going to make bold, kind of bold moves in order to broaden our customer reach and what we were offering to our customers based on what they told us. So we've made some big acquisitions in the last two years, actually, to, to help us with that. And so when you join at that time, you think about, well, what's the role of talent in where this business is transforming? And that's the most rewarding thing, I would say. Um, so you come in and you're like, wow, the first thing we're looking at is who we are as a company right? What's our culture? What are our values? We've changed the values in the last two years. We look at our performance management system. What are we holding people accountable for? How do we measure success? We've changed our performance management system. Mm. We go through and we look at, well, what do we need of leaders in the future? What is, what is our, what are, what does leadership look like? We've redone our leadership playbook, right? Or our leadership kind of model for what it means to be a leader at Intuit, because we're growing faster. We're scaling. People are in bigger jobs than they've ever been before. And then you add in for employees, right? When you transform the company and you're moving to the next, its next evolution, there's a ton of skills that you need that are different than what got you here. And so then you want to go through a journey of, you know, skills um, work and like, what do we need to grow and learn, not for today and also for the future. So that, so I love working at that transformation place because you know that every single part of the talent system has to transform. Mm. And so I think that we've been able, even in two and a half years, I feel like we've made headway in almost all of those areas. We're certainly not anywhere near the end of it, yeah. um, but we've definitely made progress. I was trying to think back to our previous conversation, and I remember you talking about transforming a lot of what is happening there and coming in and asking a lot of questions and saying, okay, is this working or do we maybe need to make some changes? And it sounds like you really take that consultative approach seriously, <laughs> right? To come in and yeah. like, act almost like act like an outside consultant because if you hired an outside consultant to come Absolutely. in you would expect them to ask a lot of questions talk yeah. to people and not just say hey what you're doing is probably fine but like hey let's see if this is actually effective maybe there's a better way to do things totally and that's what's fun and there's a place for consultants too in that mm -hmm. you know, as a yeah. former consultant as you are too there's a place to get partners where you need help but you yeah. really you do want to start that journey you know internally and it's been it's been pretty amazing in terms of the support from the top all the way down to the employees and i think that just speaks to like into it as a company and its yeah. willingness to want to constantly evolve yeah. based on what our customers are telling us one of the areas where I think you've made some big changes and revamped is, is kind of this whole philosophy and idea around career development. And yeah. you've got a large organization, a lot of moving parts and pieces, of course, and people spread out in different places. You're in a time where we're going through the so-called great resignation or yeah. turnover tsunami, whatever you want to call it. A lot of people yeah. looking around, a lot of people have opportunities. And so you've got to do more, right, to keep the best yeah. talent. And I know you're taking that seriously. I know you had 
you know, some big events recently, you brought in yeah. some really great speakers, of course, to, to, uh, to talk with your, your people, but I'm wondering if you'd share some of your philosophy around career development and like this idea of talent marketplace and how you help people yeah. find opportunities to stay within into it versus maybe looking outside. I, it's a great problem that many of us are facing. Maybe I'd say it's an opportunity and great as in it's like big, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a big opportunity that we're all facing. And I would say, you know, um, and Andy, you were lucky enough. We, we were, we had you as part of our, 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 um, list of speakers to help people really think about their careers. And yeah. so this is, it's kind of fun talking to you about it because this is an area that you spend all of your time in. Right. Um, so you could probably, you have taught me many things and could probably teach mm. us all, you know, many, many more. Um, I would say that there's a couple of things that we've learned in the time that I've been into it. One is, like I said before, the business was driving this need to say, gosh, this, the things that got us here, we're going to need to move faster because technology is moving faster than it ever has before. Mm. So we have to continue to kind of stay ahead, ahead of that curve. And we were moving into, of course, being an AI driven platform and everybody is trying to use, you know, be AI driven. And yep. so there is a scarcity of skill in the marketplace. So you got to You've got to do that. And then the other thing that was happening, of course, is we look at our exit interview data and our exit interview data tells us um, that the number one reason why people are leaving is they don't feel like they can, you know, um, achieve their career aspirations, you know, at, mm. at Intuit. And this is common for a lot of companies, right? That's like the number one reason. Yeah. And then our employee survey, which we take very seriously and we do twice a year, you know, our pulse survey, and we ask questions proactively, right? About, you know, everything like many companies do. And one of them is, you know, can you achieve your career goals here? So we have a learn and grow question. Um, and then we have one around career goals. And again, it wasn't where we wanted it to be. It was, uh, it was not low, you know, by any means, but it wasn't where we wanted it to be. Yeah. And when you look at all of that data with where the business is, is going, what our employees are telling us, you kind of ask yourself, well, what do we want to do about this? And then, and so we had started that journey kind of pre-pandemic, I would say we'd started this journey to say, look, you know, we've got, we want to identify what we need for the future. We want to build, you know, help people build their careers here because we really do want this to be a place where you do the best work of your life. Yeah. Um, and so we went in and we look what we do best, right? We diagnose and we do a lot of good customer interviews and, and to tell us what is it. And it was everything from, I don't know how to find a job internally. I didn't bother to look internally before I went external. Um, I don't even know what my aspirations are. Like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Uh, and so all the stuff that you hear, right? Or my manager doesn't support me because I feel like I'd be letting them down, you know, if I made a move. And so there's so many things you can tackle in multiple levels. And what we found, right, is, is always, almost always, it's a cultural change that you have to make. Mm. Like, you got to give people the tools to say, I, how do I think about my career? Like, is yeah. it, what is, what does it mean to have career growth? Is it promotion? That's the yeah. first thing. Or is it really like experiences? And that may include promotions, but it also might include a rotation or an assignment or a lateral move. And so you always start with the individual, right? What do you want out of your career? Yeah, because it's it's so frustrating. Sorry to interrupt. It's so frustrating, no. right? Where you feel like we've got all these opportunities here and here, why are you leaving, right? And you're yeah. telling me that you don't feel like there's an opportunity to grow. And here we are with amazing opportunities, but, yeah. but that's on you, right? If people don't understand right. that, it's not in the culture. Totally. And we do, we feel like it's our responsibility, right? Like yeah. to lay, it's our, it's always, and I feel that way as a manager, right? It's my responsibility to re-recruit my team every day. Like mm. it's, that is totally part of my job and part of the mindset. And, and so you start with like, well, what is the employee, you know, how do you, ha how do we help our employees kind of do, have that deep thinking, like give them the tools and access to resources to have them think about what I want to be, where I want to go. And then the other stuff is around, you know, how do you make it accessible? Well, can we improve our internal job site? Can we like part of the big events that we did, we had this career growth month. And one of the big things that we did was a day in the life. And we used that day in the life simply to introduce people to jobs they had never heard of. 
Hmm. It's like, this is a day in the life of an engineer. You know, this is a day in the life of a project manager. This is a day in the life of a recruiter. Uh, and people were overwhelmingly pleased about opportunities that they hadn't even thought of as potential, you know, roles for them. Is this where you give people an opportunity to basically explore, look at what a day looks like for a different type mm -hmm. of job, something they're not normally yeah. doing? They're not normally doing a day in the life of an analyst. You know, it's like, well, what, what is that job? Would I be interested right. in that? Am I ready? Am I qualified and ready? Oh, if I'm not, I can probably learn some things in order to make, you know, make that a good opportunity for me. And then we kind of introduce all of our learning resources, right? Because we have a series of learning kind of um, content providers and, and platforms that we work with to help people do that. And, and then also just getting additional experiences, right? Or shadowing somebody if you really want to go deep to really understand what the job is. And so I think that was a big part of exposing people to what's possible. And then the question that I always ask, because this comes up, right? Um, is do you like the company? Because it's one thing if you're like, you know what, like, I'm not sure I really like the company. I kind of just want to do something different or yeah. whatever that might be. Right. That's different. If you're right. like, no, I really like this company. Like, I love what it stands for. I love what the people that I work with. I love our values. And we're lucky enough to be one of those companies. Then it's like, okay, well, let's find another role here. Because it's not that you want to run away from us. You're just feeling like you're not progressing mm -hmm. um, at the pace that you want to. And so, and then the manager capability is huge. I think we all know that as talent development professionals, yeah. um, managers got to help guide their employees, you know, through that, through that exploratory process, think about who they can help them network with, be open if they're ready to leave, mm -hmm. see that as an awesome opportunity of your skills as talent developers when people leave your team. But I get it. It's scary, right? It's scary to have a hole on your team. Yeah. But again, it's we all know anyway, if you lose, it's going right? to happen anyway. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. I'd rather lose them to another part of the company. At least we could still call them you yes, know, if right. we need help right, right, right. onboard the new person versus they're just, they leave the company. And so I think we have to like help make that really real, that like, we're going to lose them anyway. Mm. So why would we want that to be the experience? Um, and sometimes of course it's the right thing to leave, but yeah. I think that uh, we get a lot of boomerangs too. Yeah, because people will go. We we're lucky enough to get a lot of boomerangs, and they'll you can't come back keep everybody. Save. Grass is always greener for some people, and they might yeah. check it out and be like, "Oh, actually, it was pretty awesome there. Maybe I'll go back." You know, I want to touch on the manager thing because, of course, we've all heard the old adage. You know, people yeah. join companies and leave managers, or maybe yeah. they leave culture, but oftentimes they leave managers. And many times it might be like, "Oh, I want to do something else," but my manager just doesn't give me any coaching yeah. or guidance. Doesn't really help me. Um, how do you help your managers become better coaches or supporters of? their people uh, so that they feel like staying. Totally. And that's such a good question. And I, I don't know if, if somebody's figured it out, like call me, <laughs> <laughs> but here's what we're trying to do. Right. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think mo most companies are trying to do this, but this is what we're trying to do it into it. The first thing is you do set it up as an expectation at the top of the house and you role model it for sure. The second thing is you start measuring it, you mm -hmm. know? And so we're starting to play with this idea of, Hey, how many people are talent exporters? How many people are leaving, you know, the team into different part, different roles, um, either within the same org or into a different org, mm -hmm. uh, how many folks are importing talent. And so when you start to actually put data, we're a data driven company as well. When you start put data in front of people, you start to do the math and go, well, this is what your exit interview data said. This is what your you know engagement score said. And this is actually what we're seeing in terms of movement. It very quickly becomes clear. There's not enough. And, and that means that we're losing really valuable talent and you're kind of, and then we're asking people to think about not just their team, but the whole company. And so I think that's the other thing is when you, data is power and the more data that you put in front of people, otherwise it's a lot of, it's just conjecture, right? Like it's, um, and, or beliefs versus really rooted in like, this is what's happening. Right. Um, and this is what people are saying. And so what we're trying to do, so we're trying to hold the, we're trying to drive the role modeling, the accountability, 
you know, kind of data driven and then actually give tools and capability, you know, to say, Hey, like, these are the tools that we have to help you have these conversations. Like, this is what people, the employee should be the driver, but you are a guide and supporter in this. This is your job as a manager. But I, I know it's easier said than done. You know, I absolutely, absolutely get that. For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. No, of course, I appreciate you you saying that like, hey, you don't have it all figured out, right? But we, you are doing a lot of things, making a lot of progress. I'm glad you brought up data too. We talk a lot in talent development, but like, oh, we're doing this, we're running this program, we're doing that. And we don't always connect it back to data. I'm yeah. curious, you know, when you look at the data, how, how do you get the data on managers? And then do you actually take action, holding people accountable saying, hey, it looks like, you know, this data shows that you're hoarding your people and you either need to make some changes or you got to yeah. go. And we're, so there's two things that we're doing. Cause we're just, as you know, right. Like I've only been in the company two and a half years and we're just starting on this journey. Cause we kind of started it, I would say in early kind of 2020 or late 2019. And I would say yeah. early 2020. So we run experiments, you know, which is something that a lot of, you know, a lot of companies do. And what we've been doing is saying, okay, if we run an experiment within a few of our businesses and we find, and so we did this, so this is actually real data a few months ago or last over the last six months, we run some experiments and it's been everything from holding these um, kind of intermobility forums where people learn about different jobs. They learn about the process, you know, and like what it would, how you actually go out applying for a job and talking to your manager. And we did that. Then you put managers through some skill building around how to have career conversations. Um, And then you made sure you were posting jobs openly so people could find them. In the groups that we ran the experiments, we actually saw an increase in the number of people applying for jobs Hmm. internally we actually saw an increase. And overall, it was enough that we saw an overall increase in our total number of employees filling internal recs. So what that's proving to us is, wow, these experiments are working. Like when we tackle these three things, like we make it easier to access, we promote the conversation and we let people know what, you know, what jobs are available. Um, we start to see more people apply and we start, we start to see more people placed. Mm. And now the question is, how do you do that at scale? Right. How do you kind of go broad across the company? And then the second one that you mentioned was talent marketplace, right? Which is something that everybody's talking about. And we're all trying to figure out. It's a buzzword right now or buzz phrase. Total buzzword. And there's a bunch of also partners in the market, right? That are talking about how Mm -hmm. their software solution might be the best one to help you do this. But at its core, right? At least in my opinion, a marketplace is going to help us identify, you know, know people, their skills, their interests, and it's going to make it easier to match them with opportunities that exist, whether that's a full-time role, a project, a rotation. And we're like a long ways away from making that all work, Um, but you got to start somewhere, right? And so we're starting with open job, fill open job. And then over time, we'll like kind of, you know, expand it to to be more and more robust um, because I think we want people to be able to like choose those experiences or dabble in something. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to be an analyst. I'm not sure. So I can learn some things, but maybe I could do like a mini project and see if Mm -hmm. I'm ready for that. We want to be able to open that up as an opportunity for, for folks. And so I think that's the ultimate, you know, kind of dream of where we're trying to go. And 
some companies are there or closer. Um, we're on the journey, I would say. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're doing so many things here that I, that I want to go back to, but as you're building the talent marketplace, the measurement and the goal is to see more internal movement, more movement. internal positions you know, filled internally. So we're hiring less outside and obviously people are leaving less. So you've got a lot more movement internally. That's a great indicator that things are working. You also mentioned you know, the job shadowing, checking out jobs temporarily, being able to try things out before making a move. So is a potential move to more project-based work part of this, you know, as we move into the quote unquote gig economy, right? And there's opportunities to take on a project without moving, completely changing your role and committing. That's what I love about this field, Andy, right? You're getting at things that are unknowns that we're going to start dabbling in because we right. just, we don't know. We've been talking about the gig economy for a while. We haven't yeah. totally, not every company has totally switched their model, right? To how yeah. work is done. There is something to be said for being on a team and mm -hmm. like connecting with that team and the trust that's built and the innovation, yeah. innovation collaboration. So how do you recreate that yeah. in these different working models? And so I would say just like every company, we will experiment and learn our way there. We'll totally experiment with those kinds of things to see mm -hmm. what are the benefits. And as we've moved to remote and then ultimately hybrid, right? Yeah. Um, those will be even more, you know, challenges, but more opportunities. It's like ripe to experiment with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, with across time zones and you know yep. geographies, et cetera. So I would say it's always on our mind. Yep. Um, we're not actively, well, there are some small experiments that are running, I would say in the company, but we're, we don't have a big strategy around that quite yet. Yeah. You know, we've been remote, right. For the last, almost two years. Oh, and serious. as you and I were talking, you're saying in, starting in 2022, you're going to start be bringing people back to the office. Obviously we know, we don't know exactly what the future brings, anything can change or happen, but it seems like we're, we are going to be for companies like yours in more of a hybrid type mm -hmm. workforce, right. Where some people are in the office, some people are at home, people are spread out in different places. How does that impact this whole talent marketplace and being able to move people around? Is it just that we, we are opening things up that they're more available to everyone? And how do we make it more you know, inclusive of those who are there yeah. versus those who are not? Yeah. And I think this is something that everybody's grappling with, right? Like, mm -hmm. will we end up creating um, a system of like the people that are in the office, right? Feel more included and have more opportunities because there's, they're just there versus people that aren't. And so you have to think really hard, I think, about the culture that we're going to try to create. Um, and how we promote opportunities because our desire is to be to truly be inclusive and to open up opportunities for ev everyone. And so I think as teams get more comfortable, you know, working remotely and also in this hybrid way, it doesn't mean that you can't come together from time to time, you know, to have these big brainstorming sessions mm -hmm. or to like, you know, do things that really allow you to build team. Uh, just maybe most of the time you're working, you know, in some combination of, of remote, um, I, I don't want to say remote, virtually and yeah. then in, in person. And, and so I think that this, many people have said this, the pandemic and the move to virtual hundred percent has just amplified, I think where we were probably headed anyway. Yes. Um, and it's made talent more available everywhere. And it's changed the way that we work and what our norms are. But I also think we've sort of fallen into this place of like, we don't remember what we're missing yet until we go back and feel it. Right. You like, know, Oh, this, this was nice. I like working. Yeah. With like I really liked having interaction with my colleagues. Like I really enjoyed, you know, connecting with people one-on-one, -on -one. like, you know, this is about some of like Maslow stuff, right? Connection, mm -hmm. human connection is very powerful. Yeah. So we're just trying to create the best of both worlds, right? Like you have the flexibility and autonomy that you want and need. You also get the connection, the collaboration and, the, you know, and the innovation and trust that you also need, you know, to be a high-performing team. Yeah. And so how do uh, we do both of those? Sure. Yeah. And it's something we're all Trying, we're going to be figuring out as we go into yes. the, the future of work, as they call it, right? And, and speaking of that, as we're talking about this talent marketplace, something you mentioned as we're going back for preparing for this, this idea of skills as the new currency, right? Yeah. And I'm curious, 
what that means to you and, and why more people should be thinking yeah. about that. I mean, skills has been, this has been coming out of the World Economic Forum, right, for like years now, which yeah. is like, I mean, you know, skills are critical and the and the pace of which skills need to be learned and, and what they are. And I think it's, I do think skills is, is, a new, is an economy that we have to think about, but it's also combined with applied skills. And sometimes we miss that. You can't just learn the skill. Most people are looking for, well, have you applied that skill? Like, mm -hmm. you know, do you have a way to use that skill? And I do think this is taking over, right? All these boot camps and coding academies that have emerged is because there's a critical gap in the market for the skill that we need. Uh, and so we're trying to get creative now in terms of how do we how do we build that and and what do we know about people? And so now I think everything you know, your resume is going to end up leading with what are the skills that you have and then mm. where have you actually applied them? Um, what level do you have them? You know, is it beginner or expert? Uh, and that'll become, I think, a new language. Um, it, even experience is still important, but I think today we lead with experience. Um, or education. And I think that's going to switch, right. To like, we're going to lead with what do you kind of, what do you know how to do? And have you, have you done it? What can you jump in and do right now? Right. If we took you on a project and yep. this whole, and like, we it. need someone, we want someone with yeah. at least five to seven years of experience yeah. when it could be like, do you have the skill to do this thing? Cause you we have need the to plug to somebody under this project. Yeah. This is what we need. And I do think that's what you were getting at with the gig economy, right? Like the yeah. idea that that is that plug and play is going to be possible. And it gets a chance yeah. for people to try different things. You know, every generation brings us new data. Like now we know, right. This generation, they're going to have 20 careers, the next generation, how many careers will they have? And so we, as a, as workplaces need to be fluid yeah. to go with that, you know, to go with the yeah. flow there and think about if I'm an analyst today and I want to, and I really do want to learn how to do like basic, you know, coding. Yeah. What am I offering as an employer to help you do that? Right. And that's the learning and development part, which is, well, I probably want to offer you something because if you're a great employee, yeah, maybe I can offer you this set of courses in Coursera that you can take and then give you a chance to apply them in a small project and then say, oh, wow, like, and then move you into a role. Right. Uh, so there's definitely, I think the responsibility is shifting, um, I think for companies wanting to retain that great talent mm -hmm. and then offering more and more to yeah. keep them engaged. Yeah, I love what you mentioned about the generations, right? Are always changing things, right? And and pushing that change, and we we have to adapt, right? And and you mentioned like more and more careers, and it just makes me think it's funny. Like our our kids, when they're grown up, it'll be like so passe to work in one career for more than a year. It's like you've been doing that for a year and a half, like. Yeah. Why haven't you moved on? I know, else? I know. I have no idea. Like when I look at, I have a 13 year old and an eight year old. I'm not, yeah, I have no idea what world they're going to enter when it comes to working, but it's, it's definitely not, not going to be the world that I'm in. Right. I'm, and yeah, so. I'm fascinated by it. I, I can't wait to see minor seven and five, a little younger. And I know the working world will be very different. I want to, I'm going to dig in and always be part of what's going on. Yeah. I'm always embracing the future. I've gone on record as saying, I don't think my children will ever drive a car. We'll see if that happens or yeah. not. Right? Don't know. But, you know, we need technology to move faster so I can win that bet with the world. <laughs> so as speaking of working, right, we, we're talking about all these different ways people are working, talent marketplace, working remotely, hybrid, all this yeah. stuff. One of the things that's come out of the pandemic and people working virtually is that productivity went up and not down. Yeah. But the, yeah. the down, the downside, right, or the consequences of that is a lot of people working too much. Yep. And too much is kind of a judgment word, but people working so much that they're getting stressed, anxious, a lot of people are burning out. Burning out. What sort of things mm -hmm. have you done or thinking about doing to yeah. combat that and, and provide more well-being for your employees? Yeah. I and I love, I love this, I love this topic because mm -hmm. I think that even, even before the pandemic, we started to talk about with all the work around um, talking about the DEI piece, right? Mm -hmm. All the work around inclusion, inclusion meant bring your whole self to work. Yeah. And so when you're bringing your whole self to work, it is your whole self. 
mm-hmm. your physical self, it's your emotional self, you know, it's it's basically who you are. And so these ideas of focusing on somebody's well-being and they were like in the system. But yeah. what was happening was it was really relegated to like a benefits offering. Like if you want it, go get it. Yeah. And what's happened is, you know, in the last, you know, kind of two years, it's become part of, I think, the normal conversations that we expect our managers to have with their employees, or we expect to provide resources regularly. Yeah. We're holding, you know, um, well-being webinars. I mean, like I went to one with a neurologist talking about the power of sleep. I mean, I mm. learned so much, nice. right? I went to another one about the, gra- you know, the power of gr- kindness and gratitude. Oh. These are not things that we would have had in the One of my place. favorite topics, but I, yeah, I've been talking about them for years, but it's like right. outside of the corporate norm. Yeah, and I'm always no. talking about meditation and gratitude and people are like, who is that guy? Who is, yeah. Well, even, you know, when Brene Brown came out in 2010 and was talking about vulnerability, people yeah. were like, that's really Whoa. new age. Yeah. Right. And now yeah. it's, it's such a norm. We brought out vulnerability, you know, in the last yeah. 24 months in the, in the biggest way possible and well-being and caring about people's health and their whole self is a big part of, you know, how are you doing asking managers to help diagnose, right? Mm. If somebody's detaching, yeah. um, you know, or are they not speaking up in meetings like they used to, does that mean that they're actually burning out or overwhelmed? And how do you then get them to the right resource? We're not asking our managers to do it all, but we are asking right. them to my favorite word, you know, diagnose maybe what might be, what might be happening by getting them to talk. Cause yeah, you don't need to a... be a psychologist, but communicate, have a conversation, notice yeah. like Kimara seems down. She's not really been communicating with like what's going on and ask a couple, couple questions. Right? Yeah. Like just picking up on the signals, right. Being more attuned to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say, you know, we've had a big, the, you know, the world is also changing and we know that with all the things happening in the, in the social environment and, you know, kind of the social justice and, you know, in the U S we had an election, like there was just a lot of things. I think that impacted people very, very deeply on a personal level that was about their identity or about who they are. And that's another piece, right. That is now in the workplace and in a, in a really big way, Mm. um, which is, wow, that just happened to somebody in your community. Like I'm going to recognize that that's a community that you're a part of. And I'm going to stop and ask you, like, how are you, or to let you know that you can take time off that speaks droves to people because it makes them feel like they're seen and they're acknowledged for who they are as people. Mm -hmm. And I think that these are the things we're now asking managers to do to like help identify what are the things that might be stressing you out in work and outside of work. And then how can we help you, right? Do that. Do you need time? Do you need to re, you know, reprioritize. And I think even having the conversation means a lot to people Mm -hmm. just being able to say, wow, like you thought about that. We talked about it. I'm feeling, you know, and, and then I, ha- I feel empowered then to try to do something to solve it instead of crushing. Right. So I don't think that's going to change. I really don't. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. I do. What I don't know, which many of us don't know is as we move back to maybe hybrid or a new world, you know, a new way of working, is it just that we're moving faster than we've ever moved before? And therefore burnout is just here to stay in the same way that it's been, or Will it shift a little bit too, you know, as we kind of come out of living in a very strange way for two years that is, doesn't feel like our kids weren't in school now they are, but there's still restrictions, right. In a lot of places. And, and so I just feel like we also have to wait and see and monitor the context of what's happening to kind of say, is this here to stay? And what, what do we need to do? Or is this going to also shift, you know, over, over time. But, um, but I think the well-being resources and the holistic self and the leaning into like, you know, social conversations, I think that's here to stay. Yeah. And I see a lot of organizations leaning into this, you know, providing more resources, as you mentioned, and also giving a lot more time off, but not just giving time off, but like saying our office is closed this week or this yeah, day, totally. right? Where you never really saw that before other than Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, yes, and yeah. that was kind of it right now. I'm seeing like 
I'm talking to clients. They're like, well, our office is closed next week for a yeah. well-being week. And it was like, yeah. oh, that's interesting yeah. because yeah. I think so many companies have seen, well, we want our people to take a break and take a big, but they're not. So they're we not. have to force them to take mm -hmm. a break, right? And, yeah. that's and we've done the same thing because what happens is if you're the only one gone, your the work keeps coming and you yeah. come back to like an inbox that's crazy and the project right. load that just kept increasing. And I think there's some there's some genuine appreciation when everybody's off, like everybody's yeah. everybody's off. And so we've definitely done a few of those too. And, and different companies are ex experimenting with different, you know, different things. Yep. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was this intersection of uh, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion with yeah. talent development. You've just yeah. taken on this new role as chief, chief diversity, equity, inclusion officer, as well as VP of talent development. Yeah. I think these two areas have long been connected. And so I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts are on how they integrate together yeah. for your organization. And obviously yeah. others can, can take inspiration and think about how they want to do it as well. Yeah. And, you know, Andy, you've been in this work a long time. There's no perfect org design. No. You know, I think so much of it is based on, you know, where your company's at, what it's trying to accomplish and, you know, and, and what you need, you know, within your organization. And so, and into what we've been evolving, you know, we've been evolving in this space for years now. Uh, and I think that we, we got to a point where we've built a really strong team, um, a DEI team that's really strong and what we've, and we have strategy in place and the conversation has really been around, you know, now that we're maturing in our practice, we have all of these things in place. Like where's the work that we need to do. Um, and it becomes very quickly becomes apparent, right. That so much of the work that we want to do around this topic in terms of representation and inclusion and really having equitable practices, a lot of it is in the talent space and it's around, you know, um, performance management and promotion and, and development opportunities and career. And it comes down to like every decision that a manager makes, right. A manager capability or every, um, conversation of team members in on the ground, these are the things that are really going to create the environment for us to really have truly be inclusive and let diversity flourish. And, and so once we kind of thought through that and said, like, this is going to be the greatest um, integration and driver that we thought by combining those two teams, we would get even more um, and make more progress even faster on our, on our goals. And so I'm super excited about it, you know, because I think that this is uh, a challenge that many of us are trying to solve. We're all trying to do it in we're actually, this is a field that you work together the most in, I think, because we truly are trying to help all boats rise and we're all experimenting and trying different things and to crack the nut. And so I, I appreciate the opportunity, right, to like play that ground game uh, and really see if we can we can shift shift that and, and be, you know, this the company that has, uh, we have big goals, you know, that are public around yeah. uh, representation and inclusion. And, and that's what we hope to do. So, so I'm looking forward to playing my part in that and was really humbled um, and honored to have the opportunity to do it. Yeah, it's a really cool opportunity. And you get to play a role in, obviously you mentioned the big strategic goals, but we also talked earlier about the generational shifts. I mean, my observation is younger generations, especially, but people in general want more diversity, equity, and inclusion, yeah. right? And the more yeah. you can provide that, it's the business case to keep a lot of that top talent that wants to be in a progressive organization that yeah. is focusing on those things. Yeah, so I completely agree with that, you know, and that's, and that's, and that will, it, it will become a competitive advantage, you know, in some cases it is already people, you know, incoming candidates are asking questions about diversity, like kind of personal funny story. My, my sister is much younger than me, so I won't say how much younger, but much younger. And she's been interviewing and she actually said to me, she's like, I, well, I always have a question about diversity and how oh. they think about it in that company. Yeah. And I was like, wow, really? She's yeah. like, yep. Yeah. So this is important to people that are, you know, they're starting, you know, their time in the workforce that they yeah. want to know what's yeah. the company's values, what do they stand for, yeah. um, and what are they willing to do. So we all have a responsibility there. 
ah, I got goosebumps. That's so cool to hear. Like the, the yeah. world is changing in, in good ways, right? I love hearing that stuff. Yamira, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with me, with us, sharing everything that you've been doing at Intuit. And you've got a lot of cool stuff going on and I know it's just the beginning, right? And there's a lot of great things to come. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. We're definitely on a journey. So haven't figured out everything, but we're trying. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, we'll keep in touch. Take care. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. That will do it for my interview with Humera Shahed from Intuit, all about career development, the modern economy, the future of work, diversity, equity, inclusion. We cover a lot of ground in this interview. And what stood out to you? What was beneficial for you? For me, I love Humera's authenticity and vulnerability and you know all the work that she's been doing and, and not pretending that she's got it all figured out, that they're still figuring these things out along the way. It was just a breath of fresh air for me. And I was just really impressed with all the work that she and her team have been doing. And they're taking a fresh look at every part of this. And I was honored to be invited by Humera and her team to come speak at Intuit for their talent development growth month uh, or week rather, just a few weeks back. And it was a phenomenal experience really engaging audience. And you could tell people were hungry for growth and finding ways to develop in their careers and stay with Intuit. And I love the culture they've created there. And I love doing that work, by the way. So if you have an organization that is looking to up their 